Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 73rd official episode. Daryl Morey was hired by the 76ers to be the new head of basketball-related operations. We're talking about him in back-to-back episodes. In back-to-back He's going to probably be the title of back-to-back episodes. Space the Daryl. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> put, it, put it on a t-shirt. Um, anyways, he was hired to be the new, essentially to be Elton Brand's boss. Elton Brand is the general manager, sure. so they're not getting rid of him. I was surprised by this. To just to go over Elton, yeah, Brand, yeah. El, El, Elton Brand's history, he traded for Jimmy Butler, and then Jimmy Butler walked. He traded for Jimmy Butler halfway through the season. Yeah, the 76ers didn't make it past the second round of the playoffs. Jimmy Butler walked. He traded for Tobias Harris halfway through the season. They didn't get past the second round. They they do something that's worse than just letting Tobias Harris walk and instead sign him to a $40 million contract that sinks their roster, sinks their opportunities. And he signs Al Horford to a, like a $30 million contract, which is also sinking this team because if they just had that $30 million to spare, they would not rather have Al Horford. They would rather sign an outstanding bench for that exact same amount. So... I would say the past three big moves that Elton Brand has done, yeah, have been have backfired. Yeah, I was I, I was just looking up the date of exactly when he was hired. So it was September twentieth, twenty eighteen. So basically two years ago. And to be fair, so, he he's he's been ambitious, which is yeah, which that is you have, also, you have to give him which credit. is very much in the Daryl Morey line of True. thinking because Daryl Morey traded every first round pick he ever had for the Houston Rockets. True. I I mean I. I think it's always better when you have star players on the roster to go all in and maybe overcommit or overpay some guys, right? But have a lot of talent on the roster than just do nothing because you could end up in the situation like the Bucks are going to be in probably this offseason if they don't make a trade for somebody like a Victor Oladipo or a Chris Paul, where it looks like they haven't done enough to surround Giannis with stars. Um, so. I mean, not that the, not that the Bucks general manager managers front office haven't done a fantastic job, um, but you have to respect Elton Brand for going for going all in for making big moves to surround Ben Simmons and and, uh, and Joel Embiid with big with big names, big big talent. Where where you can criticize him really um, is for probably picking the wrong talent, um, right? As in the Jimmy Butler trade that you mentioned, I actually think was a fantastic move it looks really smart in hindsight where he messed up was that he decided not to pay jimmy butler um he picked the wrong player between jimmy butler and tobias harris because of course jimmy butler went on to lead the heat to the nba finals this year and tobias harris is the maybe the worst player. contract in the nba i, I would um, call him the worst contract in the nba so so I think that you can you can point to Elton Brand making the trade for Jimmy Butler and say like wow that was a really impressive move the success didn't last. And so I'm actually I think it's really smart of the 76ers even though they've had some recent success in terms of getting big names on the roster. I think it's smart to bring in somebody new to take control. Um not because Elton Brand isn't capable because I think he is capable and he's shown that with the moves that he's made that he's he's capable of putting the 76ers in winning position but if it's really going to come down to putting together a championship roster i think we've seen here and there based on the, the mistakes that elton brand has made over the last two years which you have to admit is not that big of a sample size that maybe he doesn't have the experience to put together a championship roster his first job 
since his playing career was for the 76ers as like a player development consultant. Then he was like GM of their G League team. And then he was GM of the real team. So he basically went from player to, and then in, and then from 2016 to 2018, like a member of the 76ers staff. And then for the last two years as the number one basketball operations guy on the 76ers. So bringing in another guy who's more experienced who wasn't a player, right? So he probably had to make his name by doing some things right in Daryl Morey. Also, yeah. Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. who has also operated not only as a as a player, not only as a coach, but as a president of basketball operations. He, yeah. While being the coach of the Clippers, he was also president of basketball operations. I so that's that's a really good point. I haven't even I hadn't even thought about it like that. But I, I guess what I have to give the the Sixers a lot of credit for here is that. It, I think that we we all knew as an NBA fan base that something had to change this offseason. They've been running it back with relatively the same thing for a couple of years, right? So it was Elton Brand, um, Brett Brown, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and everything else has been, you know, sort of had some turnover. I think it's smart that they didn't walk into next season trying to do the exact same thing just because Ben Simmons was injured in the first round because they didn't even make it out of the first round. And I don't think there's no guarantee that they would have, even if Ben Simmons was healthy. So if you're not going to trade Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, which I think is fine, by the way, um, I don't think that they necessarily should at the moment, then you had to do something. And I think that getting a new coach, getting a new prison of basketball operations is exactly what you needed to do. So, so these, these big moves that aren't necessarily the, on, on the roster itself, I think are actually really smart by the 76ers. Now let's let's talk about the play style a little bit. Let's yeah. talk, let's talk about the match because Daryl Morey, past eight years with the Houston Rockets, he changed the NBA. Well, well, well you can say yeah. the Warriors changed the NBA because they made it possible for a three point shooting team to win an NBA championship. The Houston Rockets have said it's possible for a team to be super super re- good in the regular season while only shooting threes and layups. So yep. take taking it to a whole new level. So Daryl Morey is primarily associated just with shooting threes. And the two best players on the 76ers are a center and the worst shooting player in the league. Yeah. I, I think I think what you're going to find with the 76ers, if, 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 I'm, if I'm making a prediction here, is that Daryl Morey is going to fall in love with Ben Simmons. Because if you look, I think Daryl Morey, as we all know, is an analytics guy. And it doesn't take a di- very deep dive into the analytics to find that even though Ben Simmons can't hit threes for his life right now, um, he actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments or whatever, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he, over the last couple of seasons, has the most assists on three-pointers. That is true. That's so a like, fact. Yeah, so he leads the league on like passes that you know that that create three-point lo- three makes. Um, so if you're Daryl Morey, I think it's okay that you don't have Ben Simmons himself hitting the three pointers. If you have the single best playmaker in the league for finding three point opportunities. Yeah. But here's my concern is yeah. that you traded Clint Capella mid season yeah. because you Daryl Morey thought, Hey, I have Russell Westbrook on my team, a player that cannot mm-hmm. shoot for his life. Similar to Ben Simmons is super athletic. Um, and plays amazing in space when when you have shooters all around him and he has room to drive he's almost unstoppable same with Ben Simmons same with Russell Westbrook and that didn't work as well when you had a center in the game it didn't it didn't work as well when you had a center that could not shoot threes in the game 
And Joel Embiid is an okay three-point shooter. He's fine, but you don't want him taking threes. And so if you do have the Ben Simmons five-out thing, if you want to call it, yep. it's not going to be five-out. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to be Russell Westbrook, Clint Capella, pick-and-roll, which is not what you want, even if it's Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid, pick-and-roll instead of Clint Pe- instead of Clint Capella. I, I agree with you. The the to, I don't think you're wrong, but to push back on that a little bit, um, the first thing that comes to mind is that Joel Embiid is a much better player than Clint Capella. Offensively, he's a lot more versatile, even though he's still limited in his, by his jump shot, right? He doesn't have elite range. You don't want Joel Embiid taking five threes a game, right? He's not Carl Anthony Towns. So you're right that Joel Embiid is going to need low post touches. You're not going to want him running a five out, but he's still versatile enough offensively where you can do things besides just throwing lobs to him, right? You can still give give Joel Embiid the ball and run a more complex, right? Like pick and roll between him and Ben Simmons where you give ben, where you give Joel Embiid the ball and he can actually do something with it. He can pass. He can, you know, pull off a pose. Like, right? like he has more things he can do than just dunk it, right? He can actually dribble, for example. Um, so Clint Capella basically was just a rim runner. And Russell Westbrook is a rim runner, but in guard form, right? Yeah. And, and so not, and so having two rim runners on one team doesn't work uh, in the Daryl Morey system. Ben Simmons is a rim runner. Luckily, Joel Embiid isn't just a rim runner, even though he's best underneath both baskets, I would say. Um, so, that, so that's my sort of pushback. And then my, my other point would be, just because Daryl Morey ran that system with the Houston Rockets doesn't mean that's what he's going to come bring to the 76ers. I understand that Daryl Morey, from, from what we know about him, is going to make the moves to put together the lineup that he thinks is going is gonna, to, like, like fits with the statistical trends he's seeing the most. That's Daryl Morey's blueprint. Um, and so it would make sense that he would come in and try to do something very similar with the threes and layups. But I think at least for the first year or two, at least for next season, he's going to work with the roster that they have, right? He's going to work with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I think those two guys are going to be untouchable this offseason. He's going to give it at least one year to, to work it out. And if it doesn't work, then okay, he can, come in and he can come in and make some changes. But I don't think that Daryl Morey is going to walk in and immediately blow everything up. I don't, I don't think that that's his mindset. Now, Daryl Morey is the kind of guy who would surprise the world. Um, yeah. So if anybody's going to do it, he does. I think that this is that, that Daryl Morey getting hired makes the Ben Simmons or Joel, Joel Embiid trade down the line more likely in general. I still think that this isn't the season that it happens. I think that maybe a year from now is when it's like, okay, they're both on the market. I'm curious how they use the other guys too, because this, this Philly mm-hmm. team does not have, does not have a lot of shooting. They, I feel like people people slept on the trade deadline last year where they they acquired two shooters like Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks. Yep. I, I don't. I think they might even be on one year contracts. Like they they have they Furkan Korkmaz like trying like shooting threes in the clutch, which, yep. you, which you don't want to do. And Tobias Harris has been good, but Al Horford has been shaky. So just in general, I feel like this roster, although your top two are great, I feel like pretty much everyone is has like either a glaring weakness or really can't do that much for you. So I feel like even if Daryl Morey wants to do something, the execution might be poor because the roster construction is very not good, yeah. especially last year. This year, I I hope they do better. But I, I guess what I would say about, about Daryl Morey is that 
he's a guy who likes his specialists as long as those specialists are three and D specialists, right? So, so Clint Capella, a bit of a specialist, right? And obviously he traded Clint Capella. Um, but I think that Daryl Morey would be okay with getting rid of bigger names like Al Horford, Tobias Harris. But people wouldn't be okay with bringing on bigger names like <laughs> that's, Al Horford, That's a Tobias problem. Harris. So, but, the, but what I was going to say is if you, get, if you trade those guys, you're not going to get equally big names in return. We know that for sure, right? If, if, you're, if you're giving, if you're trading those guys, you're not going to get the same value in return because their contracts are so bad. Um, so if he trades away those guys, it's going to be, it's going to free up a lot of money, but realistically, it's going to be a downgrade in talent. But I think Daryl Morey pro- would probably actually be okay with that as long as the players you were getting in return fit the sort of 3 and D mold. Because I think that if we've learned anything from his time with, with James Harden, it's like as long as he's got that star guy every single year, the pieces around him can sort of be interchangeable. And as long as they can play some defense, hit some threes, it doesn't really matter that much. Um so I guess I would say that, like, look to see the the 76ers making some moves this year, probably to get rid of one of Tobias Harris or Joe, uh, or not definitely not Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris or Al Horford, to try to free up some money, free up some roster space to get just those, like, I think what's going to happen is Daryl Morey yeah. treats first-round picks like they're water and that they're just, like, free to anyone who wants them. I, I think he's gonna just attach like a pick in Al Horford and get yeah. back and get back nothing, like get back like a second or something. Um, and I I wouldn't do that if I was an NBA team for for the person taking on Al Horford unless I was well super bad. And let's it, say let's say you're our New York Knicks though. Yeah, right? like no, I'm, I'm taking on Al. Like Horford. would we would we take on Al Horford or Tobias Harris? No, Tobias uh, Harris is different because Tobias Harris is like at least good. Yeah. Okay. Would we take on Al Horford's contract in ex- if there was a first round pick attached? Like, let's say it's like a 2023 first round pick. Who knows if the 70 years have a first round 2023 first round pick? We're not looking at NBA trade machine right now. But let's say they did. If I'm the Knicks, like, right, and, and I say that because we're both Knicks fans and the Knicks have cast base this offseason, I'm not like that upset about that like I, I, i'm not for this season but al horford signed for the next three years dude yeah like that's that's so catastrophic the only, the only reason that i say that i say that for the knicks is like we're not gonna do anything in the next three years like i'm not that hopeful Amen. about 2021 free agency know, bro. bro we're ent- <laughs> we're entering the draft in like two years bro no you don't know like honestly i would i would rather we spend that money on like a fred van vliet than like take up all of our cap space for the next four years by just like Treating up for Al Horford. Toby. But if they're going to, like, throw us the farm to take on the Al Horford <laughs> contract, like, I'm cool with that if we're the Knicks. Because we're not really doing that much in the next three years. Like, hopefully by the time that contract expires, and those assets will actually be something, and then we can we can get somewhere. Like, I think that while it sucks in the short term, like, long term, that could actually be a smart deal. Now, we're getting, like, way off track into a hypothetical, but... I think that Daryl Morey, if anybody, is going to be the kind of guy to pull that off. Like, right? Like, I feel like El- Elton Brand had sort of backed the 76ers into a corner, and he doesn't have the experience to get them out. Yeah, I don't think that he's a bad GM. I just like, job. like he's been doing it for two years and he'd never done it before. Hey, like, we, he, we probably can do better. We could do better. No, I said we probably couldn't do oh, better. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hire us. Tag. We'll tag team it. <laughs> yeah, just 
duo, Garpax 2.0. Yes, sir. Um, so, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that I think that if, if anybody's going to be, be able to get the, the 76ers out of the situation that they're in right now, which is a little bit sticky, it's going to be Daryl Morey. Daryl. And, and I think that I think that down the line, um, that's probably going to mean trading Joel Embiid because I think that he's going to like Ben Simmons more than Joel Embiid. Um, yeah, I, I can't picture Daryl Morey having a center as his best player. Yeah, neither can I. Um, which doesn't mean that it's impossible, right? Like I don't want to write it off because I would still say at the moment Joel Embiid is a better player than Ben Simmons is. Um, although it's it's not like it's a sizable margin; like it's very close. Um, so I, I guess you know it's it's still possible that 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 Daryl Morey just won't be able to ignore the talent of Joel Embiid, and maybe he just has never had a center as good as Joel Embiid, which is why like. It's part of why I say, like, well, you just never know. Is like people, I think everybody's taking it as a given that Daryl Moore is going to come into the 76ers, come into Philly, and try to do exactly what he did in Houston. I don't think it's that simple, right? Like, I think, I don't think Daryl Morey is as one dimensional as some people make him out to be. I think that he's a basketball genius, to be to be honest with you. And, and so I think that he's going to pull some strings and he's going to make something work. I don't know. It just makes the 76ers way more interesting, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I just kind of realized that like we're, we're getting into the depths of how Daryl Morey will affect the play style. I think yeah. we, we should keep in mind that he's not the coach and that True. in Houston, when he implemented all of these like space and pace and no center, he was playing with the most space and pace, no center coach in the league in, in Mike D'Antoni. And so, Doc Rivers might just be like, hey, man, like, I, I got hired here, like, yeah. before you did. And, I guess that's what and, I was going to say. And the, these, like, players, they're, they're my guys, right? So, like, you can assemble the roster you want you want to have, but I'm going to be the one designing the plays. I'm going to be, be the one designing the sets. I guess, so So you brought up a good point there, which which I, is that Doc Rivers was hired technically before Daryl Morey was, right? Like, Daryl Morey... like, a week. Yeah, so Daryl Morey still hasn't been, like, officially announced by the 76ers, but, yeah, like, it's going to happen. Doc Rivers was officially announced as the new coach, like, you know, two, a week or two ago. So, part of my question is, like, it wouldn't seem like at face value that Daryl Morey would have any influence on in the decision because he wasn't there. But, supposedly, according to an ESPN article that I read... Um, as soon as since as soon as Houston was eliminated, uh, the 76ers and Daryl Morey had been in discussions about making this happen. So, the Daryl Morey leaving Houston, which we talked about uh, like a week or two ago on the podcast, um, apparently that was sort of orchestrated with the intention of Daryl Morey then moving to Houston, which is why. I'm still a little bit confused why he phrased it as like I'm gonna spend more time with his kids if he just wanted to go to Philly. Yeah, I just like that's, that's just so misleading. Like, like why couldn't you just be honest? You know, um, <laughs> that's like true. like we, we you know we found out a week later. Like, what are you trying to hide from us? He just wanted a week. He yeah, wanted a week with know. his kids, just seven days. But but so what I was gonna what I was gonna say is, if they if he really has known since then, then in theory Daryl Morey could have just like made the decision to hire Doc Rivers. Well, not actually. No, well, no there's one actually no way. knowing. Dude, that's a that's a new type of of like conspiracy, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> that's uh, what, what do they call it? Tampering. tampering. That's, yeah. a, that's a new <laughs> that's a new type of tampering. Yeah, bro. well, making well, making say, hires like, when you're not hired yourself. Or I mean, he could have been like, "Yo, Elton Brand, wink, wink." You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, <laughs> I, but uh, I mean, but he at least at least he knew that that Doc Rivers was going to be the coach when he signed up. So. I guess I'm saying like he and Doc Rivers are probably going to be on relatively the same page 
maybe not the, to the same extent that he was with Mike D'Antoni, but we'll see. On the other hand, Steven Silas was hired to be the new Rockets head coach. Yeah. He, he was the Mavericks' assist, top assistant coach under Rick Carlisle. I think yep. he's been there a while because Rick Carlisle's been there a while. What are your thoughts on this? Because honestly, like like some people in our group chat were saying like, oh, who's this? Like like he's a, he's yeah. a nobody. And, and kind of like implying that that's a negative thing. And I would have understood the sentiment until mm-hmm. Nick Nurse just kind of like obliterated that argument. He just like, he, blur- he burned the unknown assistant coach is probably going to be bad at first sure. he burned that argument to the ground yeah i i guess he took the rap he he orchestrated the raptors to that championship beautifully i like i, I would just say like like just because you know the name steve nash better than no than yeah. you know than better than you know the name steven silas does not mean that steve nash is going to walk in and be a better coach than steven silas is definitely i i saw somebody make the argument it might have been nba chop shop on instagram which shout out to them is a fantastic page that you always reference it's your favorite but uh, you put me on, and, and I think it was them that said that Steve Nash is basically playing the role that we saw Udonis Haslam play yeah. for the Heat this year, which is just like to be the veteran presence in the locker room. And then you surround Steve Nash with a bunch of really strong assistant coaches who do most of the X's and O's in like traditional coaching. And Steve Nash is basically just the like vocal leader of the team, um, which Udonis Haslam was while Eric Spolster was the head coach, right? So Udonis Haslam basically just didn't play a minute in the in the bubble for the Heat, but was still an integral part of what they did this this postseason. Um, so I was gonna say, I mean, it's that's that's a very unique and different approach to the to the head coaching spot. Steven Silas is gonna be a more traditional thing, where where you have a guy who supposedly is is renowned for his for his offensive ingenuity was the way that once again ESPN phrased it because I looked up an ESPN article I didn't know anything about him but I think it's it's worth looking at so if he, he was the he was the top assistant from the Mavericks last year and I quote that from the ESPN article so he was he was Rick Car- Carlisle's second in command um go I mean going back to what you said about like the unknown assistant coaches generally there's a mold of like if you hire a really great coach's assistant coach, it tends to turn out pretty well. Because they've been learning. Yeah. Mike Budenholzer, for example. He was Greg Popovich's assistant. There's a million and one other examples, but basically Greg Popovich has produced like four of them. Um, J.B. Like really... Bickerstaff. Uh, I don't know. A couple others. But yeah. yeah. But but the mold of, of, a, of a great coach like a Rick Carlisle or a Greg Popovich, their top assistant going on to be a strong head coach in their own right, exists like there's a correlation there um so i think that's something to note i I think it's also worth mentioning that from everything i've heard it sounds like you were really high the right was really hiring steven silas for his offense for his offensive mind if he's playing a really big role in the offense the mavericks were like the best offense ever last year like according to analytics so whatever he did was probably working um and it's also it's also worth mentioning, he's the son of Paul Silas, who is a really great player. Uh, I, maybe even a Hall of Famer. I don't think so though. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going crazy. But but Paul Silas played for the Celtics. I know. Um, I think he's a power forward. And then he went on to head to be the head coach of. I, I don't. I guess it would have been like the Charlotte Bobcats at that point. Was it Charlotte? Were they the Bobcats before yeah, they the were Hornets? The Bobcats. Yeah. I think he and. He and Steven Silas, Paul Silas and Steven Silas, had 
father and son were like head coach and assistant coach of the charlotte bobcats i'm pretty sure that's a dream bro except yeah they were really bad so maybe not but anyway so 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 i from what i heard uh the rockets he sold the rockets basically on his offensive ingenuity his like family tradition in in the nba like his you know i don't know like his they're they're like long-term success in coaching and playing in the nba um and then just a general reputation of being well liked and like pretty mild mannered and like calm espn called him even tempered um which i think is just like being like a pretty cool level-headed dude that's that's just a good trait to have in general um and and the final point i wanted to make going back to the offensive ingenuity stuff um he's been either he's been an assistant coach for now luka Doncic, steph curry and kemba walker um so wow I, I so ESPN once again made this point. It was a good article, I guess. Um, that you're basically bringing in Stephen Silas to to work his magic with James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Um, with Mike D'Antoni gone, you need somebody else to Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey. You need somebody else to create the offensive magic for those two guards. And Stephen Silas seems like the perfect fit um, based on everything that I read about him. By the way. Um, Greg Popovich's assistant coach. Yeah. Brett Brown, Mike Budenholzer, Jim Boylan, Mike D'Antoni, uh, Alvin Gentry, Quinn, Quinn, Snyder, <laughs> Quinn Snyder is great at his job. Mike Brown had some decent teams, took took the LeBron team to the finals. You didn't wow, even li- yeah, you didn't even list all of it. There's like there's yeah. more head coaches. Yeah, there's more that I'm just not mi- mentioning. Steve yeah. Kerr was in the thumbnail, but I don't think that's true. Like that's That's Brett like, Brown, that's Steve Kerr. But yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was really you didn't say that um the i i guess the the, the thing i heard about uh like his steven Silas's competition for the Dude, rocket it, spot it is steve kerr okay sorry continue are you sure yes it was steve kerr i'm not fucking, oh, okay I'm not okay continue okay sorry um the thing i heard about him was was that he beat out jeff van gundy for the for the final spot what are your thoughts on that Jeff Van Gundy, on the one hand, I am a fan of, of of hiring coaches who are watching the game literally every night. You said that about Mark Jackson, I did, too. Yeah. I did. Just because I feel like they're a little bit more connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jeff Van Gundy's an announcer. Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy's an announcer. Mark Jackson's an announcer. And I feel like Mark Jackson, like, oh, he's, like, watching the game day to day. Well, I feel like someone like Tom Thibodeau. Um, this is where we talked about this. Tom Thibodeau. Next coach. Who, who knows if he's actually been watching? Who knows? Like, obviously, he likes basketball, but who knows if he's been watching? Who knows if he's, like, actually being, like, paid on, on TV every night to actually delve into, like, the actual, like, thoughts behind it? Like, oh, like, he could have done that. He could have done that. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, he's been doing this a lot more lately. Whereas, and, and so, on the one hand. But on the other hand, Jeff Van Gundy is the guy who gets paid on TV to say how good it was 15 years ago. How, how good it was That's 20, how, how good it was 25 years ago. So he, he's, he's not being paid on TV to get good observations about the modern game. He's here to talk about why the modern game sucks and, and why Tom Thibodeau is the best guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess Jeff Ingunny's, developed a bit of a reputation as the guy that complains about flopping on nba broadcast so annoying. I, it, dude when when he when he 
So he does have Houston, sort of a good brought, old days. When he broadcasts Houston Rockets games and he talks about how they shoot James too many threes and yeah, how they fly, yeah, yeah. I, I want to walk into the ocean, bro. He's a little bit stuck in the past. And, and so I think that carries over. I, I, I guess I only bring it up because I'm like, yeah, I think that Steven, Steven Siles is the right move over Jeff Van Gundy if that's what it comes down to. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. The, the last thing I think I want to hit on is the 2020-2021 the season plan. Um, details are still fuzzy. Nothing's really been confirmed. But as of now, we're hearing rumors that the NBA is going to try to start it back up on December 22nd um, with a 72-game schedule, which I think would include a play-in tournament again like we saw in the bubble last year. Um, why this has gotten so much traction was basically two things. One was that like two weeks ago, they'd been saying we weren't going to see games till February. And then all of a sudden, like a week later, it's December. So I don't know where that jump came from. Um, and then the second thing is that now that it's in December, we're seeing people like Danny Green come out and say, well, none of the players are going to come back. LeBron James isn't going to play for the first month of the season, right? So we're starting to hear rumblings that if they're really coming back that soon, some of the guys who were playing in the bubble just like a month ago yeah, aren't going to have had a long enough offseason. Yeah, I, I, I can feel that, honestly. Like, on the one hand, he's such a gremlin for that. For just, like, leaking. <laughs> <Gremlin. it's> like, <laughs> like, such a goblin. That he's just, like, okay. he's leaking. He's like, LeBron won't play. It's like, no, let's just hear let's hear that from LeBron, honestly. I agree but, with that. I agree with but, that. On the other hand, like, yeah, if I, if I was LeBron, I, w- I would I would take the first month of the season off if it started December 1st. Well, the, the reason that it's so interesting for LeBron in particular is that he's 35 years old. He's and old. the thing that he talks about the most, he's not, maybe he's 34. The thing he talks about the most is what he does in the offseason to keep his body right. Right? Like, like, he talks about it like it's, like, some magic where he goes to, like, fairyland Dude, and comes I, back with, I, like, I, I, the I just, legs of a... I, I just watched Doctor Strange recently. I feel like he goes to like the time stone, to like the time stone. He goes to like the place and just <laughs> the like fountain like, of youth, like yeah. remake me. Who knows? Like he's going to see some some crazy like voodoo doctors in the off season, but apparently he's not going to have the time to do that if 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 the season really starts on December twenty second. Um, I mean, the thing that's worth mentioning is like, so usually we would see the season end in June. The finals June July yeah June so like late June would be the would be the end was would be when the NBA finals are ending and the season wouldn't start again till like mid-September so you have all of you have like half of June all of July all of August and then like part of September so you have like yeah. basically four months of off season um whereas this was basically the longest season we've ever seen even though there was a basically because of the huge gap in the middle but LeBron James is coming off of a full like three or four months of basketball in the bubble that some guys didn't even play any of. So because they went on to win the championship last year, they're kind of at a huge disadvantage in just like the state of their body, right? Like I'm thinking of the the clip where Jimmy Butler was like walking off stage after like game five, I think it was. And he could like barely move. Do you remember that? Like his oh, legs yeah. were so stiff that he's like, He's basically just, like, shifting his weight from one foot to the other and, like, hobbling, not, like, taking steps forward. That man so went to war. If he, yeah, if, like, if he was, if he was really, like, that, like, a couple of weeks ago at this point, and we're expecting him to be back, like, two months from now. And play a full season. Yeah. Essentially. That's, that's high expectations. And, yeah. and so, 
So I, I understand why the players would be upset, why they'd be hesitant to go back, and why it's maybe a little bit insensitive of the NBA to try to start so soon. Um, the, the argument for it is basically just to take advantage of the financial benefit of an increase in viewership around Christmas time. Um, it's that like the Christmas day games are always some of the best performing games of the NBA season. So if you start your season off on that high note, the idea is that hopefully it'll continue, right? You, you keep raking in that cash, raking in those viewers for the rest of the season. It makes sense on that front, right? Like the NBA has some money to make up from last season, from the lost ticket sales and whatnot. Um, and there's no guarantee. Like the, I think originally they were saying wait till February because the hope was to get fans back in the stands. That's what LeBron wants. Yeah, well, well, the hope was to yeah. get pretty full capacity stadiums once the vaccine comes out, right? But at this point, there's still no guarantee that there will, that there will be a vaccine in you know the next four or five months. And so if you're just not going to start your season to the till the vaccine comes out, you might be waiting a while. Yeah. So if you're going to lose that ticket revenue anyway, you better find a way to make up for it. And starting on, you know, right around Christmas seems like a really solid way to do that. Now, this, this idea still has to go through like the NBA player association, NBA coaches and NBA refs. And like a bunch of people have to approve yeah. this before it would actually happen. It'll be interesting to see if it goes through. I would guess no, because the, all the NBA players are so against it. Um, but I don't think they would come out with this proposal unless they were pretty damn serious about it. Um, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see. I kind of think that if if it makes it to like where this is actually going to happen, that those players who were saying they weren't going to play would kind of be bluffing. Like I think we would still see like 90, 90 to 95% of players are back. But you, you have, still would see some guys. I you think, would have some out. Avery Bradley's. By the way, yeah. I feel like people slept on like Avery, the, like the Lakers won the ring without their starting point guard. Really, which, yeah. is, which is so weird. Well, Rajon Rondo stepped the hell up. Like, yeah, there you go. There you go. Definitely. Um, because because I don't think Avery Bradley would have played that well. No offense yeah. to Avery Bradley. Um, but yeah, I, I mean Avery Bradley was of course a very important part of what they were doing in the regular season. But that's sort of all I got for this episode. Agreed. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space the Floor NBA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, leave a review. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Kevin Durant's bald spot. Do you see that, man? <laughs> yeah, I Jesus did see Christ. that. I was going to shout out Ryan Smith, the new owner of the Jazz. Wholesome. <laughs>